hello everybody welcome to episode 27 of vague zone i am daniel and i'm thomas and today we are discussing the 2021 shaka king movie judas and the black messiah starring daniel kaluuya lakeith stanfield and jesse plemons but before we get into our discussion thomas can you read for us the synopsis from imdb absolutely all right Bill O'Neill infiltrates the Black Panther Party per FBI agent Mitchell and J. Edgar Hoover as party chairman Fred Hampton ascends, falling for a fellow revolutionary en route, a battle wages for O'Neill's soul. A little bit of a mouthful. (laughs) Yeah. I'm surprised how long that was. I I hadn't actually read it. Um, So, yeah, this was... So, so to kind of recap how this show works for new listeners, um, Thomas and I will watch a franchise of films Every other episode is dedicated to that franchise, but the episodes in between, Thomas and I take turns picking movies to watch just to keep things fresh. Uh, This week, Thomas, this was your movie. Um, So why don't you start off by letting us know what you thought of Judas and the Black Messiah. I really enjoyed this movie a lot. I like sort of instinctively place it adjacent to other like civil rights or other uh, movies about black history like Malcolm X uh, or, you know, kind of like thinking 12 Years a Slave. It's like about really intense sort of stories about powerful figures or maybe not so much 12 Years a Slave. But, yeah, just thinking about like really powerful black history films, this one is definitely up there held down by like the powerhouse performance of Daniel Kaluuya as Fred Hampton. And I pick this because, yeah, it's Black History Month and I like I'm always trying to learn more and brush up on these figures that were really powerful and really like prolific of their time and like some unfortunately were taken out too soon and this is the story of that case and yeah it's interesting that is framed uh, sorry it's framed from the fbi agent or the informant's perspective uh, perspective so it's coming from uh the angle from will o'neill uh looking towards fred hampton but i think it still succeeds at being a really fantastic film yeah um i really like this one uh it feels good to watch like a good new movie for this show because I feel like we watch a lot of older stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, before I was watching, I heard a lot of concern, like chit chat, that um, the movie was centering on Bill O'Neill rather than Fred Hampton. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people wanted a Fred Hampton biopic, but I think this actually, I think what we got worked out really well. And I think the expectations of a biopic were like, like you can't judge a movie based on your expectations you have to judge a movie based on what it's doing and so like what this movie is doing is it's a crime drama uh primarily and it's um i i heard an interview with shaka king where he's talking about how the way it was pitched to him was what if we did the departed but it was about cointelpro and so like that's kind of what this is it's it's a drama about an infiltrator um a what 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 do they call it? FBI an informant, yeah, and his target, and so yeah, it, it's it's a back and forth between the two of them, and playing with the tension of how deep is this informant going to get? Is he going to get caught? And what's interesting is that the informant in a lot of movies, like the person infiltrating the gang or whatever, is the good guy, but here it's it's like on one hand we could call. Bill O'Neill, the bad guy, uh, I think this movie does a good job of humanizing him and showing that he's actually a victim also and that he's being exploited yeah. by the FBI. Um, but yeah, it's definitely sympathetic. Yeah, and it's and it's like a complex sort of sympathy because it's not just like... It's, it's, it's a fucking good movie because it yeah, like... Yeah. 
it's absolutely yeah it's not comp yeah it's not very clear cut uh what i what i meant to say is yeah i think lakeith sanfield does a fantastic job of sort of portraying this person who's literally trapped between fucking two really awful options and one is literally betraying the black panthers and then just being taken out by the fbi yeah. and i read a comment online that said um yeah, that Shaka King mentioned that he had to sort of disguise a Fred Hampton biopic mm-hmm. in the form of an espionage thing. And yeah, the espionage is, is really heavy because it's beneficial that the fact that, yeah, Bill O'Neill also is a black person who's dealing with the government sort of pressing, putting pressure on him. And so, yeah, it's 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 a really complex sort of issue because he's at like at the speech watching Fred, you know, do the I am a revolutionary thing. And he's just like just making dead eye contact with Jesse Plemons across the side. Yeah. So, yeah. And also, I appreciate the way that we're changing up our discussions and just kind of throwing thoughts out there. We're probably not going to do the. Yeah, we're not going to do a breakdown. Right yeah, because I, I, I just have like questions and, and general thoughts. But okay. yeah, I, I just think that it's such a powerful choice to be like okay like it's going to be a movie about fred hampton but it's the point of view of the informant that takes him down and betrays him and yeah it's just super fucking hardcore well i i saw a breakdown and i think um fred hampton or daniel kaluuya has i think three minutes less screen time than lakeith stanfield Hmm. so so it does a pretty good job of like balancing between the two of them um but yeah this this movie like I don't know, like you the whole time you're dying for for Bill O'Neill to have this, you know, come to the light moment and you know, actually join the Black Panthers. I, I I've actually I ha I, I haven't found evidence of this in, in research, but like I, people have told me that like informants joined the Black Panthers and would actually stick around that like they would betray the FBI because they actually liked what they were doing. Nice, um yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've heard awesome. that about like a lot of like leftist groups, but um, yeah, and, but you know, knowing how like this is a true story, we know the history of it. We know Fred Hampton was murdered by the FBI, so it's not going to turn out that way. But it is like a really brave choice to try and show the facets of Bill O'Neill rather than just villainizing him. It would have been really easy to do that. Yeah, and I think it just goes to the the strength of the writers and choosing to sort of make it a very human story. And it's about Kaluuya and his wife. I want to make sure I get the name right. Yeah, his, Deborah his Johnson. wife. De- yeah, Deborah Johnson. So, yeah, it's about the conflict of, you know, he's talking about putting his life on the line and, you know, being willing to die for the people. And she's like, I have, you know, new black life inside of me. And I'm trying to see that through. And, and the poem that she gives him is just like such a heartbreaking and powerful moment of this movie when he's like trying to like criticize like the words in the poem and she's like like no like this is just like me just giving you like the raw like just the raw information and like it's going to be woven through poetically but like this is just how i feel it's like i'm a black panther but i'm also a woman too and like you know bringing life in is extremely dangerous for this public figure yeah. who's considered you know like considered adjacent to the not adjacent equivalent to being a clansman or equivalent to being uh like you know a terrorist in yeah. in the eyes of the fbi which is like yeah it's just to see that other side is just like just is is really heartbreaking but it's also like damn like i'm, I'm very happy that this movie exists and sort of lifts the hood on this a little bit yeah i also really appreciate the way this kind of fleshes out the relationship between fred hampton and deborah johnson um because yeah, like we said, this is a crime drama. It's not a biopic, but there's enough here where, like, it makes me want the biopic. I want to see the three-hour Malcolm X, uh, you know, style Fred Hampton biopic. 
Um, yeah, absolutely. And I was thinking about that because I was like, yeah, like his life is cut so short. It's like, would that movie even exist? You know, because Malcolm X. Oh, had totally. Well, <laughs> I, I, yes, yes, of course. But like Malcolm X, I think it just benefits from having these very distinct chapters and chunks yeah. of his you know, like his um, progression through the nation of Islam and just his life as a civil rights leader. But yeah, with I, I, I don't know much about Fred Hampton. This was the first I've learned about Fred Hampton. And so this was really great. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I could have had another hour, 45 minutes. You know, I'm, I'm down to just kind of see his life story. Um, yeah, there was... Um, yeah, I, I didn't know too much about Fred Hampton. Um, I knew that he was a Black Panther. He was 21 and when he was murdered by the FBI. And I knew, like, that... You know, uh, he, oh, and I knew about the Rainbow Coalition that he was uniting yeah. all these different parties, different gangs, and to, to, to like take on the police basically, and that's why he was seen as such a threat. Um, and yeah, I knew about when he was murdered that the FBI had shot. It was I want it was like over fifty rounds. I think I've heard over ninety rounds also into yeah. the building, and only one shot was fired in response. Yeah, the number I saw was 99. Yeah. Which is just, yeah, just fucking atrocious. And then the Black Panthers held uh, tours of the site um, after the shooting to show the people um, in the community just, like, how barbaric the FBI was in their treatment of them. Um, Yeah. And, like, thank God they did. Thank God it's, like, so documented, like, you know, the brutality of this assassination. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's one thing that this movie does well is it kind of it sort of it grounds everything and it feels like I keep going back to I've mentioned Malcolm X, but yeah, this feels very different. It actually feels very similar to the movie Detroit. Have you seen that? Uh, I have not seen Detroit. Yeah, so that's about the the riots in Detroit in '67. That's with John Boyega, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And that movie is like over a very small period of time. It's like five days where this conflict is happening, and this feels a little bit more similar to that movie where it's about a a very like compact section of time the pacing is a little is a little odd but we have just like you know the the major incidents of like the police being killed and then the police retaliating like firebombing the black panthers building and then fred being like being in jail and eventually being killed and yeah just i think the the progression of william's story feels like a documentary a little bit because it's yeah, it's juxtaposed with the footage from uh, uh, Eyes on the Prize, and so we get like that yeah. at the beginning, and so we get Keith doing uh, doing the bill, you know. But then at the end, it's sort of replaced with the actual person, and then we get the the news that he uh, committed suicide after the documentary came out. And so, yeah, I like the. It feels like a very more gritty kind of yeah on the ground documentary uh, approach to yeah just the entire setup of how this betrayal took place. What did you think of that? So, so, like, I didn't know, I didn't know a ton about Fred Hampton, and I didn't know really anything about Bill O'Neill. Um, yeah. yeah, what did you think of that reveal when it says that he commits suicide the night it aired? That interview aired. Yeah, that's re- it's really heavy, but it, and also I think it was one of those things where it's like I wasn't surprised when I heard that because the weight of just the weight of what Fred Hampton stood like. I'm sorry all of the things that Fred Hampton stood for and just the weight of his words and just all of that just being sort of taken away by literally his own actions is just enough to like make you not be able to sleep at night. And I think having the nightmare sequence in the movie is a nice 
uh, a nice another nice representation of that when he like goes into the the black yeah. man's building and the guy just comes up and it's like clips him he's like wakes up and yeah it's the only little fantasy sequence we get in the movie and i think it, it it illustrates that point well that yeah he is yeah he's very human and he's he's in a really bad situation it's unfortunate that he is betraying the black panthers and he's you know fucking yeah. going against the people and it's like it's it's like it's not good and even lakeith was like yeah it's like i needed therapy yeah. after this role and i like you know like i was worried that even portraying this person would be bad for my career and it's like yeah it's it's absolutely real because this person is just not not a good figure and so it's, it's a lot of conflict and i think this movie does a really good job of painting that picture and sort of showing all sides of it and how complex it is uh bill o'neill's wikipedia page has actually become like I think it's locked right now because people have been like fucking with it. Like, yeah, yeah. Cause the other day, when I think when we watched this movie, I looked it up and it said his occupation was activist, and I was like, "What the fuck? Like, why does it say his occupation is activist?" Now it says informant. Yeah, now it says informant. Um, but then I was like looking through the Wikipedia history and like to see like what changes people had made and stuff. At one point, his occupation said coward. Um, oh my goodness! Yeah, people. Yeah, people were going off on this guy, but it's like the the thing is like he was 17 when the FBI recruited him. And I think this is like my major complaint with this movie is that the actors are 10 years too old. Um yeah, yeah. and it would have been way more impactful to see young people have these roles and it would have been really nice to like see young people get these jobs in what is a great movie. Um absolutely. But yeah, the idea that the FBI recruits a 17-year-old and throws him into the Black Panthers so that they can get information that they then use to murder Fred Hampton. And he's a 21-year-old in his sleep. Yeah. it's Bill O'Neill was a victim, too. And I think that when we see that uh, interview of him at the end and he talks about how, you know, at least I did something, I was part of a movement... To me, that reads as like, okay, this man has refused to confront the reality of what he was a part of. Yeah. Um. And when he, you know, I obviously I don't know what was going through this guy's head, but knowing that he commits suicide the night that that interview was televised, to me, that's it felt like he had no choice but to confront the reality of what he had participated in. And that's how yeah, he reacted to it. Yeah, just the weight of that action is just it speaks volumes for what he was probably dealing with because they even mentioned that he got that first like we see on screen he gets the first payment he gets the keys to a gas station and like 200 bucks or whatever but then he went on to continue to do it and make two hundred thousand dollars and you know he continued to he continued to be an informant yeah, that's what they said. Oh, I that missed he, that part. Yeah, like, yeah, and one of the little lines they say he he kept on informing because it's not like they figured that out. Like the documentary came out later. Yeah, the documentary came out in the nineties. That's 90s, true, actually. So, yeah, I do. Remember. So for all that chunk of time, he was still ratting. And so yeah, it's just yeah. like eh, it's, un- it's really unfortunate. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah, cr- I give a lot of credit to Lakeith for just portraying just the the fucking anguish of that. And yeah, like when you is going in like in and out of these rooms and he's like kind of like just shaking and just like jittering and like just smiling very nervously just like just not really processing all of this and it's yeah it's just a really beautiful performance from both of them and yeah i hopefully they get nods for it obviously yeah lakeith i feel like i've liked him in everything he's in i don't feel that i've gotten a ton of range from him um Mm -hmm. but he always gives off which is not necessarily bad because i like him in everything he's in and I feel like he always gives off this um, feeling that like he's just got this really expansive internal world going on 
that like yeah. um I don't know. He's always trying to, it, it always feels like it, he's honestly within the moment, trying to understand the moment he's in um, and trying to figure out how to navigate it rather than, you know, yeah. he's got his lines memorized and he's waiting to deliver him sort of thing. Um, well said. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Daniel Kaluuya, great. Like this is Daniel Kaluuya. I have seen range, like <laughs> seeing this yeah. and then seeing get out. It's like, okay, yeah, you're seeing, you're seeing what this guy can do. Um yeah, and uh, I love the scene, like the I Am Revolutionary, when he f- comes back from prison and he's talking to everybody. I think that scene is just so well just orchestrated, just the fact that he is just delivering an extremely powerful speech where he's just like going hoarse, doing the I Am a Revolutionary, just like made, made me get out of my seat and kind of yeah. start, you know, <laughs> chanting and shit. And then uh, like below that, we have, um, yeah, we have Bill sort of making eye contact with um, the FBI informant. So we have like that plot going on, but also we have his wife sort of reacting to just like the radical things that he's mm-hmm. saying. And then, yeah, just like just the blend of all of those things happening is just, is really powerful. And yeah, I think the movie succeeds with that. I, I think one of my biggest gripes is it doesn't seem to be very strong visually in other parts. I think it's one of those movies where the performances are the absolute best part about it. And the thing that I walked away with the most impression of was from the performances, not so much the visuals or even the music, which I was hoping more yeah. from, from those uh, areas i like the shot when they're like he's in the car and they're like the thugs are trying to get back at him and there's like a really low angle shot of the guy cutting open the top of the car but yeah there's not like yeah. not a lot of uh shots it's a like i think it's a gorgeous movie like it looks great but yeah there's not a lot of frames in it that stuck out to me yeah there weren't like a lot of memorable like visuals um but yeah you'd mentioned jesse plevins and like that's another character where they could have just I feel like they made an interesting choice with that character trying to... Can you hear me all right? Yeah. Okay. You looked a little confused. <laughs> no, I'm looking, I was looking at my tabs. Um, I got like 80 tabs up here right now. <laughs> but yeah, with Jesse Plemons, they, it feels like they could have just, you know, he's an evil FBI agent. They didn't have to give him any sort of nuance. Um, they didn't have to explore sort of the emotional complexity of that character at all, but they did. And... And I think it really works because, like, I've seen some people complain that, like, they humanized him too much. But I think it fucking works because ultimately what he does is he doubles down on being an evil motherfucker because because you can't let like they try and they they initially make him seem like he is a fairly reasonable man, like who's working within a chaotic and awful system. And he's chosen the wrong side. But in the end when they have him double down it shows that like there's no such thing as being a reasonable man when you're choosing the wrong side uh yeah. unless he's unless he's putting his badge down and stepping away then he's there's he's anything but reasonable yeah his arc is really interesting well I, i'm not maybe not arc but his his slant downward is, is really com- interesting to me because yeah he he starts off as like yeah the panthers and the clan they're basically the same thing and i'm like yeah. okay hold on like i like that's i already already have issues from the jump with this guy yeah and then we get like this feeling of he you know he might be sort of conflicted by this mm-hmm. maybe you know he feels this way about the radicals or you know the people on the far edges of it but you know he's fine with collaborating with someone like will to sort of to to just to, to do to just do his job basically he's willing to collaborate but i think it gets worse when he hold on he like has a line where he's talking to martin sheen and martin sheen's just like 
yeah, like, so what happens when your daughter brings home a black, a black man? And he's like, my daughter, he's like, my daughter's like six months old. And he's like, yeah. he's just like, why, why the fuck are you asking me this? Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I feel like in that moment, he sort of gets radicalized and turned by the people in his, uh, his uh, superiors. And yeah, just, there's a lot of layers to that when he probably wasn't really on like, quite on that level yet but then through the actions of you know a few police get killed his boss puts a little bit more pressure on him and then all of a sudden he's like fucking take fred hampton out instead of you know yeah trying to just get information yeah the movie kind of wants to tease you with the possibility that he will have a come to light moment also but it's like yeah. no he's a fucking fbi agent <laughs> like yeah. the, F- the fbi is not your friend <laughs> like people yeah. we need more movies that reinforce fbi is not your friend um, yeah, totally. And I think there's a, a nice, um, I don't know if it's foreshadowing or whatever, but uh, there's a moment when they're inside of the FBI's uh, house and he's talking to him and uh, Lakeith is like trying to like smoke a cigar and he's like kind of doing it really awkwardly when he's talking to him about when he's basically giving him the spiel about the Panthers and the Klan are basically yeah. equivalent. And he's just like puffing on his cigar like furiously. But then towards the end of the movie, when the agent basically gives him the order to tell him to kill Fred Hampton he takes a huge drag out of his cigar as he's like staring back at him. And I just thought that that was a nice, it just felt like an interesting mm-hmm. parallel that like they were both smoking cigars at this kind of yeah. turning point. It's like representative this. of a power dynamic sort of thing. Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe just a visual connection or a power dynamic, but I just thought that that was interesting. Um, fuck, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh yeah. But I was gonna, like, it just even in the past few speaking of how evil the fbi is <laughs> um just within the past few years like they were targeting quote unquote black identity extremists and there was like black lives matter protesters who were being surveilled and i think as of 2019 sometime in 2019 they're no longer doing that because it was challenged in court that there's no real way to like what makes a quote black identity extremist like yeah uh, how do we how do we classify that, especially when white supremacy and white supremacist extremists are an actual threat? Um, but- yeah, I think it just goes with this the extremely timeliness of the story and just how yeah, just history just continues to repeat itself. Yeah. and the fact that I feel like yeah. any time this movie would have come out, it would have been timely, like because it's yeah. the shit hasn't stopped. Um, yeah. But yeah, man. Fucking COINTELPRO. <laughs> like, more people need to know about it. Um, yeah. The FBI sent a... Tried to get MLK to commit suicide. They murdered Fred yeah, Hampton. Just, and these are just, just the things we know about, you know? Yeah, just insanely just dirty tactics. And, yeah, uh, that's one thing I like about in this movie. There's a scene where they're, like, inside of the FBI's office. They're, like, just drinking beers and smoking cigars. And they're, like, writing the poster that eventually is revealed to be like a fake black Panther poster that is referenced when they're trying to have a deliberation and they're like debating on what slang to use. And even I was just like, Holy shit. Yeah. Like, of course it's just the things that just are obvious, but like seeing them on films sort of help cement them as like, yeah, these tactics have been around since beginning of this entire struggle. And so, yeah, just to see the propaganda machine sort of at work in that way was just, it was really powerful, and I was like, yeah, it, it really affected me. And, yeah, uh, I keep going back to this quote from Fred Hampton Jr. He talks about, you can't put a shark in a fish tank. Have you have you heard him say this? Um, no. What's that referring to? He's referring to um, sort of condensing Fred Hampton's story into a biopic. And, and apparently mm-hmm. he was on set uh, be at the request of, I've heard Ryan Coogler 
had him be on set to just help. Yeah, uh, he's to, uh, to credited as a cultural check. cultural expert, I think. Yeah, he's just there just, like, fact-checking, just help get things right. And I think it, that just goes back to the whole thing. We're like, yeah, like, I grew up in a black household, and I knew about the Black Panthers, but I only knew about the surface. And I feel like so many people only know about, you know, just the surface thing. And yeah. there's so much misinformation and so much propaganda and so much just bullshit coming out of our own government. And it's just like, yeah. how, how can we even know? And so, yeah, I just... I, I really appreciate that it's helped like demystify a lot of things. And I was a little um, worried that it would be like, you know, one of those quote unquote, like a black suffering type of things mm-hmm. where it's a movie that focuses on the agony. And I think this does a great job of capturing the human side of everything. And like the scene with Fred and the mother of the black Panther that just died. And she's like, they're just talking about like, he like, you know, I do like a little fart joke. He's like, yeah, like, he wanted to ask to go fart at church. And he's like, this little, Moments like that, just like there's light, there's life, and there's also like this darkness. That's like, I don't know. It's, it's just really great to me. Yeah, yeah. I, I I'm yeah. I'm really happy with what we got. Uh, there was definitely a concern that like it wasn't gonna do Fred Hampton justice and like his you know Marxist Lenin Marxist Leninist philosophies and ideologies. Um, but uh, you know, it touches on all of that. Uh, we don't obviously. It's not. This isn't a pamphlet. This isn't a uh, manifesto, but it it's a good crime drama that gives us, uh, you know, a touch of a biopic, and it works really well. Yeah, I, I was, I was uh, bleh, wow. I was really happy to learn about the Rainbow Coalition. That was one thing I had never heard about. Yeah. And so to, yeah, to see him walk into, like, yeah, that's really like cool. Meeting. Like it's like one of the best scenes in the movie. It happens super early on, but yeah, that's But it's like how much cooler movie. would that have been if it was like a 20-year-old actor? <laughs> like I feel it like, would you would have yeah. felt it. It would have felt so much more significant. Like cuz it's totally part of it like that he was so fucking young. Um, yeah, I I I get that. And there's also this criticism that it's not directly towards this, but it's been kind of floating around with like act, like criticizing actors from the uk playing roles that are like civil rights roles or roles that are very historically important americans yeah it's like that was the case with detroit it's like it stars john boyega Mm -hmm. and um uh, selma stars uh i don't want to butcher his name but his first name is david david like alloway or something but yeah it's like another like foreign actor playing playing like this civil rights figure and i think i heard a, a comment about like Jaden Smith was considered for the role of Fred Hampton just be mm. purely because of because age, he is younger, of, yeah, acting merit. And, mm. Yeah, I just think the, the there's got to be there's got to be some like black theater kids that like they could find, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just like that search is out there for sure. But yeah, yeah. Daniel Kluya does a a wonderful job. Yeah. But yeah, I think the aged helps. I, I'm sorry, the age sort of makes it a little bit different for sure. He's, he's like 30 uh yeah what'd you think of what you speaking of like weird like actors and sort of i don't know i don't know what i'm getting at. i don't know how to segue <laughs> I know, to this i know, I know what you're you know at. where i'm getting at martin I'm sheen little, his oh, no, no. <laughs> okay what did you think i was gonna say i thought you were talking about little rail because i was like yo he has the like the cameo of a lifetime he like plays a pimp in a civil rights movie he just shows up it gives him this like chemical and walks out of the movie just like and just it's insane it's just such a different it's such a tonal shift from everything in the movie i think for what, him to, i think what uh, i was trying to get at is 
actors in roles that don't necessarily match them physically, which is Martin Sheen and his bizarre makeup. Um, How did you, what did you think of that? (laughs) Yeah, it was a little odd. I was, the the main thing I was thinking, I was just like, yeah, it's one of those grow up to see yourself become the villain thing. I was like, yeah, Martin Sheen was once the hero in the movies. Now he's playing the old, old evil racist fascist FBI agent. But it's like, I I wasn't too stuck on his look. I, I guess I was, yeah, it didn't. Cause it's it like didn't really resonate. I. So before this movie, now I know what he looks like because I looked it up. But like, I couldn't have told you what J. Edgar Hoover looks like. Like, I, if you show me a picture of a bunch of men, I wouldn't have known who was who J. Edgar Hoover was. Yes. Um. So I don't know why it's so necessary that they even need to go as far with the makeup as they do. Like, like couldn't they have just been like Martin Sh- Martin Sheen? You're gonna be J. Edgar Hoover. Let's like uh, thin your hair and. <laughs> throw you out there like they made him look like the penguin though i i see what you're saying yeah he's a, it's a little heavy for sure i and i think that just might be going to, to the lanes to to demonize him physically and that just might be an artistic choice just like in this universe j edgar hoover is literally the fucking penguin yeah he just he has a, a face that looks like play-doh <laughs> just, it's just not and good. maybe there's a aspect of where it's like martin sheen doesn't want to play an evil man looking like Martin Sheen. <laughs> he would rather play an evil yeah. person who existed in history looking different. Um, yeah. It's like, all right, I'm going to cast you as a person who helps conspire to kill the revolutionaries. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, just slather me in there. <laughs> yeah, make like, me look make unrecognizable. Me. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I don't give a, a fuck about an Oscar. It's like, I just don't want my kids yeah. to see me. It's like, this isn't about me. I'll collect the paycheck and give the performance, but you need to make me look like someone else. Yeah, see, I thought you were going to talk about, yeah, Little Rel, and his his uh, role is just so odd, because he is playing another informant that is working for the FBI, but it's a character we've never seen before in the movie, and he basically shows up for one scene and then leaves. I don't even and remember, who, where, where was he in the movie? This is towards the end, he gives him the chemical that will... Oh my god, I didn't even realize that was him! Yeah, <laughs> it's it's such a strange performance. It, it Did he have mind. old man makeup on or something? He has like a he has a he looks like the rapper David Banner who you you probably don't know if I told you that name but yeah he's like dead eyes looks like David Banner yeah it, I did yeah, not realize just, that was weird. him shit it's just it's just a, a really odd thing because yeah he's doing like this really kind of jokey pimp persona character that just sort of comes out of nowhere and yeah and and this is at the point where Will is nearly at the end of his breakdown and he's just fully yeah. It's like fully shaken and so yeah just the juxtaposition of those two characters together and the stakes of why they are meeting together which yeah is... there's like a weird like magical realism sort of thing going on there where it's like he's just getting drunk at the bar and this guy w- w- wait so the pimp is already at the bar the yes, pimp looking yes. dude and then bill o'neill walks up and so it's like it it's, feels unusual that they're even crossing paths yeah uh, yeah and and I say pimp because he's wearing a large just fur coat, and I, that's yeah. just. I think he has a big hat thing. too. Yeah, yeah, but but essentially they're all just like informants who are getting paid, and even we get a, a little bit of that with Will or sorry Bill when he comes in and he's having a meeting and he has like the glasses on and a nice suit, and um, Jesse Plemons just like just looks at him and just taps his glasses and he just like just take those off and it's this weird moment like we don't get a lot of Bill outside of con- the context of him lying to the black panthers and infiltrating them so mm-hmm. we don't really know much of who this person is out you know out yeah. in the real world and so i think there's just a little we that's where we sort of get to see a window of that is with 
that bar scene and yeah just him sewing up in that fancy suit yeah i feel like there's moments where you kind of get the sense that he's appreciating like the power with being respected as a black panther um but i, I don't know like like the way lakeith stanfield plays him it, it sort of feels like he's unhinged a little bit um yeah. and then i think that especially when you see the ending and you see that the real Bill O'Neill has kind of deluded himself into thinking he was an activist. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that kind of works. But. Yeah, I like the scene where they give him the nickname Wild Bill, mm-hmm. and he's really, he like tries to shrug it off, where he like he just he, he did, he's trying to like play it coy, but they're like, no nah, man, like you're Wild Bill, and he's just like, just I, I don't know. There's just like little moments like that that I just appreciate. Yeah, and it's like, to what degree is he actually building camaraderie with these people? and building friendships with these people um there was actually there was actually another informant named richard aoki who Hmm. um he claimed he was the first person to like arm the black panther he the black panthers he gave them guns Hmm. and he was actually i think he met huey newton in college um but it was revealed years and years later that he was actually an informant and he commits suicide also so which makes me wonder (laughs) considering how fucking evil the fbi is how how do these suicides work (laughs) um because i think that's what i'm saying i think that's (sighs) i think bill o'neill drove off like the side of a freeway or something like that he like got in a car accident and richard aoki died from a suicide it was a gunshot but, um yeah i i'm with you on that that's i don't know if i'll cut this out of the podcast or not, that's <laughs> literally the that's one of the inspirations of the script of the script i'm writing right uh, now okay. is there was like all these lynchings that happened last year yeah like a, a lot of them are just considered suicides just like, like off yeah. the bat and i was just like that's just so fucking someone who <laughs> who died from a suicide by shooting themselves in their vehicle and then the vehicle was lit on fire like i'm pretty sure yeah. that was one of them there was yeah, like multiple men found dead in their cars. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, I can totally understand, you know, someone, I like, if you're going through that strife, you know, sometimes it gets extreme. But like, I don't know. It just seems fishy. The details yeah. of the story just seem seem weird. And so, yeah, the, the fact that you mentioned that is, is absolutely true. So, and yeah, as like, we know, the FBI tried to pressure MLK into committing suicide. Oh. Yeah, which I don't know much detail about that, but that's that's. They funny. sent him a letter because so the FBI was spying on him and they recorded him cheating on his wife, and so they sent him like a letter that I don't think it. I'm not sure if it explicitly detailed anything that they had recordings of, but like it alluded to that they had like caught him and they had figured him out, and it never explicitly said that he should kill himself but it it said something a lot about like you have 30 days you know what you must do otherwise we will you know ruin your reputation and stuff like that gotcha. it was like they were very clearly trying to pressure him to kill himself um gotcha so, yeah they like mention that briefly in selma but it's more focused on them using the affair to split them apart mm-hmm. Yeah, I appreciate that his son was on set and there to be in a dialogue with the actors and the producers, and I think that definitely shows in the final product a lot. Yeah, and it's like, who knows what kind of movie this would have been without that, you know? Maybe yeah. it wouldn't have 
Cause, cause it's interesting. Cause yeah, I heard, I've heard some people complain that like, oh, it like watered down his politics and stuff, but it's like literally the first time we meet him, he's giving the, we're not going to beat capitalism with black capitalism. We're going to beat it with socialism speech. Yeah. And so I don't think it's really watering things down. I mean, we have the, we have that fucking scene about him talking about like kill a pig, get a little bit of satisfaction, kill more pigs, get more satisfaction. And it's like, that's like his most extreme take in this, in this movie. Um, yeah, and that was just fantastic. I like, yeah, that just blew me away so much. Because yeah, like I said, like I didn't know much about Fred Hampton, and so a lot of this I was like kind of getting this for the first time, and I was like, yeah, this is this incredibly just like appropriate for the stuff we're all feeling right now. And yeah, and I also think this movie succeeds in yeah not being it. it there is like agony in this movie, but it doesn't feel like a sadistic movie. I feel like mm-hmm. this is a movie that is very easy to revisit and easy to watch again. At least that's how I feel. Yeah um a movie yeah i feel like there needs to be like a curated list of like it people's history of the united states like film list mm-hmm. um have you ever have you heard of the weather underground uh yes i'm like i've, I've heard of it but i i could be wrong with what i'm thinking it is. uh there's a doc well the weather underground was an organization in the bay area um they were like white mostly white maybe just all white um radicals who fred hampton didn't like them he thought they were just what they were doing was just lunacy um but they would like bomb police stations and uh like they they always made sure that any any like target of theirs was um evacuated first because i think before they so so their thing was they were anti-vietnam war and one of their slogans was bring the war home and so like if you bring like the chaos that is happening overseas here to the u.s it becomes impossible to ignore and people must oppose it um yeah and so you know they were riding in the streets fighting cops um they were building bombs one of the bombs exploded as it was being built and it killed some of their own members and that's when they had okay, this. i've heard about i've heard about that yeah okay. and that's when they had this like realization like we can't be killing people and so they always made sure all their targets were evacuated um but yeah, it's crazy to think that there was an organization bombing police stations here in the United States and they did it for years. Like they, for for years, they were just like, you know, evading capture and they like broke, yeah. they broke uh, people out of prison and stuff like that. Um, Damn, yeah. Yeah. And so there's like this part of our history that we don't learn that we're not taught because why would you teach this to the people of your country why would you teach to the people of your country that they can get away with bombing police stations uh for a while yeah. <laughs> um yeah and or also that like yeah the fbi is pointing microphones buildings away from them and listening to them yeah right? like it's like yeah these these are the kind of things that will result yeah you don't want you don't want your people knowing this when you're not willing to provide them with health care and shit like that that's when bricks (laughs) will start flying um any additional thoughts on judas and the black messiah i think yeah that's like most of my thoughts yeah i'm definitely excited to watch this more yeah like yeah putting it uh with sorry placing it adjacent to other like recent things yeah it reminds me of like detroit and when they see us but yeah i think this movie succeeds in being yeah i I i'm going back to saying it doesn't feel very i just lost it yeah i just i just like this movie it it has a little bit of clunkiness with the flow a little bit but i think overall it's just 
a fucking fantastic story and yeah, a, a great package and yeah, I'm, I'm happy to have it. So there was a type of movie before you had mentioned, was it a suffering movie? Is that what you called it? Well, like, it's this whole thing about like black suffering. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, like they criticize like 12 years of slave. It's yeah. like, you know, this is a movie that is going to be sort of a painful, a painful yeah. watch. You know, it's, it's, it's about a, a black person sort of being free and then being dragged back to slavery. Yeah. And so it's, you know, it's not, it's uplifting at the end, but uh, it's a long, treacherous road to that feeling of uplifting. And, you know, Malcolm X is, like, generally uplifting. Like, it, it's a little bit funny when you have Spike Lee on screen with uh, Denzel yeah, Washington. <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird, but it's, like, it's it's a weird tone. But, yeah, I think framing, like, a, a Malcolm quote with a Martin quote at the end of it is a nice, uplifting way to be like, okay, like, we're and all the overcome. And all the kids saying, I'm Malcolm X at the end. Like, yeah, yeah, incredible. yeah. It's, yeah, it's upbeat. And, like, I think about that compared to... I don't know, some yeah, something like Twelve Years a Slave or When They See Us, which is telling similar stories, but it's much more focused on the agony. Yeah, I couldn't watch that one. I like I was like, this is just gonna fucking like piss me off and bum me out. Like I don't wanna watch that. Um, yeah, it's tough. And it's one of those things where I like I always I still highly recommend it okay. because yeah, it, it's it's a fucking story about like perseverance overall. It's yeah. just like those like those little boys got thrown in jail, but they still like yeah. they like stay toughed it out, and so it's just like yeah, it's it's good to like to see the end of the end of that story. But uh, yeah, I appreciate when movies are they can be about Black history, they can be about you know slavery or civil rights or these these really heavy things, but not be like I don't know sadistic and you know bring you down mentally. Over you know they they can be ways they they can tell those stories in ways that are uplifting. I feel like part of me feels like let me know what you think of this part of me feels like black suffering movies are made for white people that it's like it's made for white people to be like (laughs) to try and learn empathy um because it's like i don't like do black people need to be reminded of this stuff i don't think so um well it's like i think it's important to know because like i say it's like i grew up you know knowing about things but not taking deep dives and i think those deep dives are are very refreshing and very important to do. And I think that's like the main reason why I seek out these movies and try to watch them. It, it, like usually, like I say, my my cinematic comfort food is music documentaries and fucking comedies and yeah. stuff like that. And so like movies like 12 Years a Slave and Selma are on my list, but they don't get taken off very quickly. I tend to get to them later, yeah. but I'm usually happy that they, that they exist because the, getting the story out there is just super crucial yeah. but props to the directors that find ways to juxtapose it and find you know beauty and you know the darkness you, you have to have both yeah that feels like a much more nuanced perspective than what i just said <laughs> well Anna, i just I've, I've had a little bit more of a um, my opinion has shifted a lot because when I moved back home, I was watching a lot of stuff, but I was like, I think I, I started to seek out black movies more because I was like, I, I just need to watch them because I sometimes I ignore them because I feel like I just might not be in the mood for whatever reason or just some dumb reason. And I don't know. I, I also am thinking about um, uh, I May Destroy You a lot because that was like a, a TV show that got snubbed in the Golden Globes this year. And it's like, it's a black TV show, but it's like, I one of the I was tweeting about this. I think mm. people might have not watched that show because it's a show ab- about a sexual assault, and so like the subject matter isn't super inviting, and so yeah. like, I can I can sort of get why someone might not want to sit down 
and see, you know, a black woman deal with sexual assault. Yeah. You know, that's doesn't sound that's like a good traumatizing. time. Yeah, like yeah, it's fucking traumatizing, but it's one of the best TV shows of 2020, like hands down. I uh hmm, how do I say this without revealing where I work? <laughs> um but like so I work <laughs> I work in distribution is what I like to say. Um but yeah, how do I how do I say this? Hmm. I'll I'll just tell you the story. <laughs> um, so part of my job is curating a list of movies for viewers to watch, and you know, at the end of the week, I look at the data to see what performed well, what didn't perform well, and that informs how I program and curate the following week. Um, my boss's boss's boss saw that we had um a Holocaust drama <laughs> in our uh, catalog and they were like hey why don't we why don't we feature this why don't we show this one off uh, it's a great movie it's won a ton of Oscars and I was like that's not going to perform well but you're my boss's boss's boss so I'm going to do it because I like having a job so yeah, we promoted it and as predicted it did poorly it, did, it was the worst performer despite being yeah. like you know Academy Award winning movie like huge budgets you know, very popular, um, did, did incredibly poorly because I think w you need to put yourself in the mindset of someone coming home from a job they hate where, you know, mm -hmm. their kids don't respect them. <laughs> um, the earth is on fire. Everything is yeah. Horrible. Fascists <laughs> are marching in the streets. Um, you don't want to kick off your shoes and say, I'm going to relax with a Holocaust drama. Like yeah. people want like, and I, I feel like bef when I was in college, and before college, I would watch a lot of heavy movies. I would watch like art films and shit like that. And as soon as I, you know, started working all the fucking time, <laughs> um, I turned to cinematic comfort food because, and I think it, yeah, it reminds me of, um, I think during World War One, like pulp novels, like uh, just like shitty genre novels, like sales went way, way up. And it's because when people are fucking stressed out, they don't want to think about heavy shit like they just want to relax and so yeah i think like maybe something like i may destroy you it's the same thing like it's probably incredibly executed incredibly well done but it's yeah. like people are stressed out they just want to watch fucking tiger king <laughs> yeah it, it showed up in a year where everyone literally wanted to yeah just 2020 watch carol baskin yeah like people wanted the exact opposite yeah it's one of those things where i don't i don't blame people from for going to watch what they want to yeah. watch but I'm, i always just say hey like if you are down to watch something a little bit on the more heavier side it's, it's really great but yeah this like that philosophy is just so true because yeah when you work and you do stuff all day then you want to come down you want to literally hang out with your friends yeah. via the sitcom and you just want to have that be some something yeah. kind of normal like i need the something it's a little crazy then it's it's kind of scary for me i need something to comfort me or i need to watch some garbage that is garbage i get to choose because yeah. i live a life surrounded by garbage that i'm not in control of i need some garbage that i am in control of um yeah speaking of like uplifting things i've been listening to taika watiti just talk about stories just because i'm in a writing mood mm -hmm. and yeah i watched uh, uh wait are we sort yeah of go ahead yeah let's get into it okay so yeah i watched a uh, hunt for the wilder people okay. with my mom and oh, I love that movie. Uh, I'm just I'm on my my Taika Waititi. Uh, my my binge is happening like right now. So yeah, I've watched Hunt for the Wilder People, and that is a movie that has moments that are 
real and very human, like lots of nice moments between Sam Neill and this yeah. kid, you know, it's like misfit and they're both like sort of lost and they were abandoned by their respective worlds a little bit and they have a sweet little friendship and yeah, it has a nice uplifting ending and yeah, Taika Waititi's talking this in this talk and he's like, Sorry, Taika Waititi's giving notes and he's saying, yeah, we sit down to watch movies to escape and movies are escapism. And that's what we should always go back to when we're thinking about writing and thinking about telling stories. You're looking for something to escape into, not something to fucking bring you down. Yeah. I mean, I, I it can go either way. Like I get I get making something serious and heavy. Um, you know, there's room for all kinds of stories in cinema, but it's just like. What what a lot of people want <laughs> is a crowd pleaser, and it's not easy to make a crowd pleaser. Yeah, you know, making tricky. pleasing people is hard. Think about how hard it is to fucking buy a gift for someone, <laughs> like someone you know. <laughs> I have such a hard time with that. This is why, like, yeah. blockbuster movies, big blockbuster movies that are actually good. It's like, yeah, I give them fucking props. Like, it's not easy to make a crowd pleaser. Um, yeah, not easy. Yeah, I watched before that because I was getting my hair re- retwisted. So I, I usually have time enough for two full movies for when I sit down. Mm-hmm. And so uh, wow. the first movie I watched Thanks. was Kong Skull. Yeah, uh, I've watched Kong Skull Island first and then Hunt for the Wilder People. So it's a, a okay, double, interesting. double feature. <laughs> Con- you, wait, you watched Kong Skull Island first? <laughs> yeah, it, right. that was the first movie. So, it was 10 a.m. watching Kong Skull Island. So we haven't fully conclu- decided, are we going to watch the Godzilla movies next? I don't know if we we, we committed to that. I'm down to commit to it, but I I thought that that was more of the recent group. Yeah, yeah, that's that what I meant. Little... Yeah. yeah. So like the monster verse. So just like starting with Gareth Edwards, Godzilla, then we do Kong, then Godzilla King of the Monsters, and then we conclude with this newest one that's coming coming out, Godzilla versus Kong. I interpreted that as we were going to start from Gojira and just go, <laughs> go oh, forward. Oh, wait, wait. You yeah, thought we were going to do like, like 40 movies? <laughs> you were, I, you just no, said I was Godzilla, joking. Yeah, Godzilla, yeah <laughs> I, I thought that yeah, it was real, but okay. Or, and you said Shin Godzilla too, so I was like, okay, maybe we well, might just do know. like a weird, like like a, a curated Godzilla choice, which would be fine too. But uh, yeah, I watched that, and I've also watched King of the Monsters pretty recently too. Um so I yeah I might have been ahead are you of are that, you are you feeling that idea or no? <laughs> so it would just be Godzilla, uh, Kong Skull Island, and then King of the Monsters, and then uh, Godzilla versus Kong or Kong versus Godzilla, whichever one. Kong versus Godzilla. Uh, that one comes out I think next month. So we yeah, would I'm conclude down. it Honestly, with the newest yeah. movie. Yeah. Yes, I'm down because I would like to rewatch the 2014 Godzilla. Okay. And yeah, yeah, I'm all down. Right. I, I think. Have you seen Kong or... I've seen all of them. Yeah, yeah. I'm down to do it. Even though I just watched it, I'm down to do it mm-hmm. again because, yeah, there's, there's a lot going on in that. Yeah, movie. that one's a really weird one. <laughs> it's so... Yeah. I know, like... De- definitely worth the conversation. Yeah, sure. stylistically, they've made some interesting decisions with these movies. Um, yeah, I think... Yeah, I thought we were going to do, like, Shin Godzilla then some other random ones and... Well, you know, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Um, fingers crossed <laughs> yeah uh wandavision what'd you think of wandavision this week um i thought it was weird um i i liked the malcolm in the middle intro i don't intro, think that they yeah. use i don't think yeah i don't think they like used it for anything plot wise to like serve the story or, or anything besides the first like five or ten minutes or a couple of gags but you know i thought the episode was okay um i liked 
I'm trying I'm trying to remember honestly because yeah, like Vision crawling like towards the thing, like her expanding the wall was really cool, but there weren't a lot of other things. I was just thinking about I don't know, did you see my tweet about WandaVision where I was critiquing the approach to the genre thing? I was just thinking about that the entire time. Um yeah, basically I was my critique was I think that they could have had Monica Rambo's character be doing like police equivalent genre things on the other side of the mystery as opposed to just you know the military yeah investigative stuff, so stuff thought, yeah yeah i was like you know, i was like why not like some you know perry mason or magnum pi or some weird some something weird yeah. tv genre x files have all so, three yeah, of them be like x files have one of them yeah. be the skeptic and then you got yeah you got that whole dynamic yeah, once I started thinking about that, I, I kind of clocked out, or sorry, I kind of checked out from the episode a little <laughs> bit until the end when Vision was dying again, and I was like, damn, this is just unfortunate that we have to see Paul Bettany suffer so much, yeah. but yeah. He's good at it. I, yeah. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> suffers like Paul so, Bettany. Um, just just arm over arm, just just crawling. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, there's not a lot of the episode that really stuck out. I, I appreciate some things like the wall pushing is the only thing but i don't know yeah i was thinking more about ways to tweak the show than than actually enjoying the episode yeah i think the only thing that really stood out to me was that malcolm in the middle intro because it's just i i didn't know i could feel so nostalgic about that era of tv (laughs) that like yeah because it's like when you're in it you don't when you're growing up in that time period you don't think about like okay, what are the hallmarks of this time period? Like, what are people going to look back on? And because I remember thinking like, oh, the 20, the, you know, the 2000s, ah, there's nothing special about this era. Nothing's going on. And it's like, now we can look back and be like, well, emo was kind of weird and like boy bands and stuff like that. Um, But yeah, this Malcolm in the Middle style thing. It's like, oh yeah, I forgot that that was like a style of television and having like the ska music play in the background of like scenes and stuff like that. It's like, Oh yeah, man, this is very, it was perfect it. with Quicksilver <laughs> running around and it's like, they would do like the slow down part. Yeah. It was, it was all really, really great. There was a sitcom called, fuck, what's it called? Ah, <laughs> so, what, what, oh, what station are we talking? There was, was it, UPA it was on Fox. Fox. <laughs> it was called grounded for life. Oh um, yes. And yes. the presence of Quicksilver as the brother who's like, kind of a bad influence really reminded me of that show because i think there is i think there's a character in that show that's the uncle who's like kind of a bad influence um, yeah and i'm looking at the like the lineup right now uh i couldn't tell you what the actor is but yeah there's like one snark he's like a brunette like, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's like those dynamics are just like yeah just so specific of like the wholesome family but it's a little askew and like you know it's, yeah uh, a, a group of characters that all just like have their like own little personalities and yeah Malcolm in the middle definitely had had that on lock with like Brian Cranston just yeah the show is just super 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 important I wonder if that was like a like, sitcoms I wonder if that was like a post Roseanne thing where it's like oh look uh you know family that cares about each other but they're not quite what you would uh call functional sort of thing um yes. they're not wholesome no, I, I don't know yeah I don't know if Ro- Roseanne when that first came out but i always cite the simpsons as it but it might be roseanne too oh yeah i'm not, not or maybe maybe even all in the family it's like that was yeah if i'm thinking yeah yeah the dad was like a racist and shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh man yeah back back when tv you could just just, <laughs> just didn't matter well i mean like 
I remember watching a little bit of All in the Family as a kid, and it's like that's the thing. It's like the dad is kind of a shithead, and the kids are trying to correct his behavior, his shitty behavior. Um, and it felt like a good. It, it was a good way to explore, uh, you know, social issues and stuff. That's cool. That's way better than like Family Guy now, where just uh, the dad yeah. is a shithead. Just everything. Everyone else is. Everyone else is a shithead. <laughs> yeah. So everyone else just just being racist and awful constantly. Yeah. What have you been watching this week? Uh, what have I been watching? Honestly, I don't think I really watched anything else. Like after I watched Judas and the Black Messiah, I kind of just watched a lot of uh, YouTube videos about the Black Panthers and stuff, and trying to do my research. Yeah, yeah. that's that's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been kind of bad. It's like I've, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna be really gung ho about like reading and being on top of shit for Black History Month. But I've been watching like workaholics all like <laughs> all month, and I've been yeah. like, feeling so guilty about it. But like, this is just the dumbest of the dumb like junk food as far as TV is concerned. Because yeah, we were talking about sitcoms or like in a few episodes ago, and you mentioned Community, but I was like, yeah, like I want to watch something that's like that, but like not as super emotional as Community or those other shows can be. Because sometimes when they hit a beat, they actually hit like a really heavy Effective beat. beat yeah. will be, I will be crying. <laughs> but like for, for workaholics, it's just like, it's just all just dumb juvenile stuff. Um, Something we did watch recently is Emily and I were just having a conversation about like, I think we were talking about like sci-fi and like weird shows that we would see on tv when we were growing up and we were like is this good i don't know but um <laughs> there was a show it was a spinoff of the x-files called the lone gunman and it was based on these three characters from the x-files who were like kind of conspiracy theorists friends of Mulder. um and it yeah it had like a one season i think it was just one season spinoff and the first episode which is on youtube you can find it is it, it, I think it released in August of 2001 or something like that. And <laughs> and it is about... Yeah, you know where I'm going. <laughs> um, it is about how the U.S. government is able to remotely hijack a plane, uh, a passenger jet, and fly it into the World Trade Centers and to frame uh frame it as a terrorist attack to increase weapon sales <laughs> and this aired like a month before 9 11. um it's like how much is he got it yeah all, it's right? fucking insane all the and so like we're watching this show and it's kind of silly <laughs> um because it's you know it's a fucking x-files spinoff and yeah it's early 2000s <laughs> things were still very innocent. yeah and it, like but i don't know like x-files in this show and there, there seemed to be this sentiment in pop culture where it's like you can't trust the government and like fight club i feel like kind of might have played into that a little bit too like there was like this rebellious sort of thing happening in pop culture yeah, matrix i mean we just yeah. fucking talked about the matrix yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the, the, that late 90s thing was for sure. Like, yeah, the rebellion was it was everywhere. And so, yeah, this show is about the government creating a terrorist attack. Um, That's wild. And so, like, the whole That's... time I'm watching it, I, like, I knew, I knew, I knew what it was about. And so the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, this is really silly. There's, like, a sexy spy and stuff like that. And, yeah. and I'm just like, when's 9-11 going to happen? <laughs> like, I'm just waiting for 9-11 to happen so That's I can be like, yeah. so I can be like... <laughs> I don't know, just so I can be in amazement at, like, how fucking absurd it is. But uh, it, it, even though I was ready for it and waiting for it to happen, it didn't diminish uh, how effective it was in, in blowing my mind. That's, that's great, though. 
All right, so what? So I guess we're going to do the monster verse next, right? Yeah, Godzilla. Sweet, cool, cool. All right, well, next time on Vague Zone, we're going to start off with a new franchise. We're going to do this new like monster verse. I guess it's going to do Godzilla, and in preparation for this awesome Godzilla versus Kong that's coming out in a month. Yeah, who will win? Place your bets, folks. It's weird to me how how much anticipation there is for this movie because it doesn't look good. Yeah, no, I think people, <laughs> it just goes back to people like fights, people just like the classic verses, like Freddy versus Jason is by no means a good movie, yeah. but everyone sort of remembers it and remembers kind of that being Aliens out. versus Predator. Yeah. No matter who yeah. wins, we lose. It's going to be a fight. <laughs> it's, I wish it was a little later in the summer because I keep calling it the fight at the summer, but it's happening way before summer <laughs> shows up. Yeah, Maybe I, people are just kind of starved for new movies, too. Yeah, I think this would be just fantastic if every single person in America just, like, just absolutely got into yeah, Kong Yeah, it's the number one movie. <laughs> yeah, just, like, every single person you talk to is like, all right, you Kong or you Godzilla? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people have their shirts, people paint their chests and shit. Yeah, gotta, walk on the other <laughs> side of, gotta walk on the other side of the street, because it's not safe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> people have different color bandanas. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, hey, Kong can fight. He's got some jumps. In oh, well, so you're you're what? What are you, Kong or Godzilla? I'm definitely a Godzilla boy oh, since yeah, day on. one. But definitely. yeah, but watching the movie recently, I was like, wow, Kong can fight. He's got some moves. But come on, like uh, the nuclear breath. Yeah, it's <laughs> it is extremely stacked on Godzilla's side. I mean, Godzilla does have those little arms, so I might make it a little. But he's got a tail. Yeah, it's anyone's fight. Kong can use tools. Yeah, Kong has a jump. Like that's one thing that they use in the movie. They just have him do a crazy yeah. leap and just be really high up. Yeah, I don't know. I'm excited. I'm very excited. <laughs> We're all like pumping ourselves up now. <laughs> it's going to be just commentary on this entire fight. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, join us next week on Vagueson. We're going to be talking about Godzilla. Thank you for listening. This has been episode 27 of Vague Zone. I'm Thomas, and I am Daniel. If you would like to contact us, you can email us, vaguezonepod at gmail.com. If you have lists, questions, comments, concerns, feedback, or or you just want to tell us to fuck off, you can do that too. It's all good. Uh, If you want to follow us at Twitter, Twitter at vaguezone, you can tweet at us and we can can take the conversation to Twitter because that's where all the, the happenings are these days. And so, yeah, catch you on the next one. All right. Take care.